I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. This is a weekend update for the week ending Friday, September 11, 2020. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Let's start with what happened, what's the bigger picture, what happened on this Friday, what happened this week. As far as Friday's concerned, they went down, they hit the 50 period moving average, and they bounced off the same 50 period moving average. That's what you see on the daily chart. It's one of the things that jumps off the page at me. But let's look further to see if there's anything else that supports that general price area. In fact, let's take a look at what the low of day was. The low of day occurred in the afternoon. It was 331 even. Just for argument's sake, we're taking a little bit of a detour. But for argument's sake, let's say what would cause the market to find support around that area around 331, around 331 and a half, other than the daily chart 50 period moving average. And the reason I say other than is for a couple of reasons. A, it's a daily chart moving average. That means that it's unlikely that intraday the market's going to stop on a dime at the daily chart moving average. Daily chart means that intraday anything can happen. It's a matter of whether or not it's common for the market to close above or below on any particular day at any particular time based on what's happening in the market at the current time. So we use the daily chart stuff for daily charts, but intraday, we're aware of them, they're guidelines, but they're not necessarily the same type of support or resistance areas that some of our intraday charts would represent. Case in point. And this is the way it's done, at least from where I sit with every chart. I start with a chart that has something that jumps off the page at me. In this particular case, it's a daily chart. We know that it's not enough that we see something on a daily chart. By the way, the 50 period moving average really isn't that important anymore. We've been hovering over it. The market's been hovering over it, made an attempt two times at the 50 period moving average came up short. So basically, that type of activity or price action diminishes the importance of the same 50-period moving average. If they came down and hit it this past Monday when the market gapped down, that would have been a nice healthy bounce off the 50-period moving average. You got a bounce anyway in front of it, but if you hit the 50, you would have got the same or better bounce either way. Now, it's not the same story. You've been down there a couple of times It's not the same. However, let's look at a couple of different charts. Here's a 120-minute chart, and as a refresher, the 50-period moving average on the daily chart came in at 331.65. Interestingly enough, when we look around the same area, we see the 120-minute, 200-period moving average, 331.63. So that goes in the bucket of we're beginning to build some kind of stack, whether or not it's a full stack or not, we don't know yet, but the daily chart had one thing on it, okay, now the 120-minute chart had the same number for a different reason. When we see that, 
we have to raise our eyebrow and say, all right, that's something. It becomes a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's speaking to the importance of that general price area. Why? Because you have one reason on the 120 chart, a different reason on the daily chart, same number. Now, you throw something else in the mix, you begin to get a full stack. All of a sudden, we have a 240-minute chart. We have a 100-period moving average, same number. So here's the question. Here's food for thought in the form of a question. When you see three different moving averages on three different charts come into the same number, would it be normal garden variety market behavior for price or the chart or the market or the stock or whatever you want to call it to find support in and around that number. In this case, they went down to the next round number, 331. But they reversed pretty quickly, turned right around, got back above those three moving averages on the three different charts. What else was there? What else on the chart was important enough to say, hey, we even have something else that goes into the full stack bucket. What else will we have when we look left? We've now switched back over to a 120-minute chart, and we have a blue line. What does the blue line represent? Well, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time, so here goes again. The market gapped up to this area, right around 331 and a quarter, 331.40, in that neighborhood. And then it went sideways for a while before breaking out to the upside. It came back to do what? Check in at a former breakout or former breakdown. In this case, it was a breakout area. And then they reversed again and went up in the northern direction. Now, if you just take the low of this candle here, the first candle of the day, remember this is a two hour or 120 minute chart. So the low in this candle is 331.23, pretty close to a round number. But the point is that this is where the market gapped up to, ate some time off the clock, and then made another leg higher. What was the low today? The low is 331 even. So in the general area of what we just discussed about the market gapping up to an area also is considered a what? A former breakout area. So... If that's the case, the market came in today to like four things, maybe five things. 331, fat number. Not a big fat round number, but it's a round number. It came back to check in at a former breakout area. That works. It came into the moving average on the daily chart, the 120-minute chart, and the 240-minute chart, all at basically the same price, different moving averages, different charts starting to look like a full stack isn't it now a trader might say hey it's easy to see that now in hindsight what are you the monday morning quarterback and the answer is yeah we have the benefit now of looking back to see what happened but let me pose it a different way we go to the daily chart and we revert back to something that we put on the chart and talked about yesterday 326.52 down to 323.41. For a variety of reasons, that's an area that if the market paid a visit to, we would expect support. What happens if I flipped over to several other charts and I found a bunch of moving averages right around that same zone? We'll just call it three and a quarter for argument's sake. Well, they're not there, but the point is if they were, 
it would further support the case that that area is even more important than it originally was without the moving averages. What about the weekly chart? So we have a week last week where the market puts in a tail candle, trade lower the following week, this week. They fill the gap early on this week, on Tuesday morning. They fill this gap up here from last week and really never look back. They made a few more attempts to go up in that direction. Remember, the other day, they came up short of that gap and fell away. And by the way, now I'm just realizing this and we just happened to be in real time when I realized this. They never filled that gap. There's a little bit of shenanigans going on. So check this out. So here's the high posted this week at 342.64. The gap that I'm referring to is 342.57. Now we were looking at that number the other day when they missed it, right? So let's go to an hourly chart. So look what happened. Here's last Friday's close. This is the 4th of September, 1600 hours, closing price, 342.61. That's a number we discussed, and I'm referring to inside the numbers members mainly. We discussed that number earlier in the week. Well, Tuesday, the market opened on Tuesday after Labor Day, and it gapped down. They tried to rally back, and here it is on the 9th, and we made a high in this candle, 342.46, and there was another high somewhere else, right next to it, 342.53. They never got up to the number that appears on the weekly chart. Here we go again. You just saw the intraday chart. Now they're showing a high of 342.64. Shenanigans. Unless I'm reading this wrong, I'm looking for the number. I don't see where that gap was filled. It was a long week. It's late. My eyes are rolling in the back of my head, but net-net. I don't see where the market traded up to that number off the weekly chart. Who are they trying to fool? What about inside the numbers? For me, a little bit of housekeeping, Friday was a half day. I had stuff going on. Sometimes we got to take care of personal stuff. 337.50, important on the board. And this was on the board bright and early. And I also want to show you what happened early on. Little bit of a different routine, some different colors. Let me explain. Right of the verticals, today's activity 337.50, we're all familiar with. The bright green color and the different reddish color, the brighter reddish color, that's pre market activity. We're looking at pre market Friday morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. 7 o'clock in the morning, and the market traded away from 7 a.m. in the morning down really for the remainder of the day with an attempt one time to get back to 337.50. Why do I bring that up? Well, there's a number of reasons to show you that the market thinks 337.50 is important. When I see stuff like that, it's reinforcement that a number I believe is important, it's reinforcement that the market also thinks That number is important. So when I saw that early on this morning, I said once again, yeah, 337.50 is important. They're challenging it again. And if they challenge it during the regular market hours, it will be overhead resistance. They didn't quite get there, but they made an attempt to get there in the morning session. Moving right along. Let's kind of get the day kicked off. And what I urge you to do 
read the notes, pause the video, go back to the charts, go back and forth. See if A, am I full of bunk? B, do I know what I'm talking about? C, are the numbers real? D, should you be flying solo or should you get a tour guide? Let's focus in on stuff that's really, really important, stuff that was actionable. 334.04 down to 333.89 is a gap left open from yesterday. Okay, fair enough. This is on the board before the market opens. Early thoughts. You remember the routine, right of the vertical, today's activity. Here you go, low in this candle, 333.94. Low in this candle, 333.71. High just minutes later, what is it? 336.97. How you doing? That's where they made the attempt for 337.50. Couldn't get there, fell away. That's also somewhat of a tell when you look back and think about it, when you think about the gap that was missed yesterday on Thursday. It's indicative of a market where the character changed, the at least current, the short-term trend has changed. When the short-term trend changes, what happens? They're having trouble hitting targets on the upside. They're falling away. Flip that around a second. When the market goes up every day, think about what happens to some of the stocks on the move stuff. So the market's opening up. We have a price underneath where the opening print is. We're waiting for a stock to come down. They miss it by 10, 15, 20 cents. Turn around and float up the rest of the day. It's the same thing in reverse. When you're in an uptrend, sometimes they have trouble hitting downside targets. When you're in a downtrend, sometimes they have trouble hitting upside targets. That's the way the market works. Write that down. Moving right along. Right out of the chute, and we'll get back to stocks on the move in a moment. 9.32, you can see we got a nice little ride on Nikola. Some important numbers. You can go back to the chart, see what happened in and around those numbers, around the time when those numbers were posted. You'll see a repeating theme if you look into the market today. 335, 334. 335 was a pivot until it wasn't. It was a pivot Once it was given up on the downside, they'll want to test 334, give or take. Look what happened into the end of the day. They rally back to do what? Get back to 335. Know thy numbers moving along. We'll get back to the stocks on the move stuff. You'll see here 334, 335, repeating theme. It was showtime. As long as the bulls were able to maintain price above 335, they could continue to make attempts at the 337.50 and potentially beyond. But once they give it up, that's it. That's the definition of a pivot. They're pivoting around an important number. Above it, the bulls are in control. Below it, they're not. The bears take the ball. Here it is again. 335 above and they try for 337.50. That post was at 1016. Where's 1016? All the way down here. They got above 335 and what did they do? They made an attempt for 337.50. They got close, they got about 50 cents away and fell apart, but the schematic was correct. Tour guide or solo pilot? Moving right along. Recurring theme, 335. Once they gave it up, that was all she wrote. But as long as they were above, they had an opportunity. Moving along. 1048, 336.50 is a hurdle in the way of a push up to 337.50. There's your 336.50, got a little bit above it, but it was in fact... The hurdle, they never really were able to sustain anything and fell away. And that's pretty much the theme. It was a half day for this trader. 
And then here you go at about noon, below 334, and they could sell for the rest of the day. They ended up having one of those late-day rallies out of nowhere, but they really did sell for the rest of the time when they got below 334. Stocks on the move, N-L-O-K-R-V-L-V and K-L-A, Nikola. So we're going to take a look at two out of the three. N-L-O-K came close, didn't hit it. Yeah, we'll look at that one anyway. We'll look at all three. Why are we looking at this one, Norton LifeLock? Because look at the low over here. The low was $20.72. The number on the board was $20.70. So they missed it by a couple of pennies, but the takeaway is the numbers work. Sometimes they come up short, sometimes they spike them through, but the area where support should be is still holding true. It was, in fact, support. How do we know that? Look at the closing price. Closing price the day before, 22.47. So the stock was down pretty healthy, good little haircut. Where did it stop going down? Right in front of 20.70. How you doing? RVLV. This was one of those deals again. Watch this one. So the low in this candle is 18.67. Two pennies above the 18.65 entry. Just a couple minutes later, the stock's at a high of over $19. Now, it's not a huge rocket ride, but when you're talking about an $18, $19 stock, that's giving you the minimum deal times two, meaning that's about a 2% bounce. They came back in, spiked it through by a few cents, and then reversed back up, making a high of $19.14. Again, still 2 or 3% on a scalp slash day trade is fine. It's what we're signing up for at a minimum, but they came too close, and therefore, at least for me, it gets wiped off the table, it changes the trade. The takeaway is, the number worked anyway. It just didn't do it in the manner in which I would have preferred. Sometimes, you gotta be quick. Nicola jumped the first target. 35.80, opened below, so it's off the table. Now we're looking to the second number. 34.50 was on the board, here, in the second minute of the day, the low is what? 34.45, and one minute later, by the third minute of the day, we're back at a high of 35.69. So, when you take a look at it like this, you get over a dollar bounce from the entry in seconds, you have to take the money off the table. You don't have to take all of it off the table. You have to take some of it off the table, and then at least you're giving yourself a chance if it's going to go on a further rocket ride, you participate. If it comes down, you have a risk-free, emotionless trade on your hands. If it comes down to where your entry was, you can make the choice, trader's choice, to pitch the rest, cut and run. You take the money that you made half the profit on, you keep it in your pocket, and you move on. That's the worst case scenario. A little bit of a short hop back to the daily chart of the SPY. So what are we thinking? You never know what you're going to get Sunday night into Monday. Maybe you get a gap up, maybe you get a gap down. Let's talk gap down for a second. If you get a gap down or the market just trades down early next week, where's it going to go? Well, the obvious place is where we've been talking about. 326.5 down to 323.5, somewhere in that ballpark. It's not that far away, and guess what? That general zone should be rather magnetic. So essentially, there's no change. What about the other side? What happens if we wake up green and they're trading above 337.50? 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50, 337.50,
The band starts playing all over again. They're going to try and get to 340. That's the next big fat round number. You know the routine. It goes on from there. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Chart looks a little bit different. Looks a little bit weaker than the SPY. So the IWM leading in the downward direction. The Spider finished basically flat today. The IWM finished down a buck or almost seven-tenths of a percent. You know what the IWM is. It's my favorite market-leading indicator. Below its 50-period moving average. Rode it for four days, gave it up on the fifth. Look where that low was today. You can just say, here's the middle of the last breakout area. Now, they came close the other day, bounced away, and here we are. Now, you can make a case, well, why didn't they come down here? Or why didn't they stop up here, which they did the other day? I'm just saying that they're into this zone And it's the same zone that we talk about over and over and over again on a wide variety of different charts. All charts act and react the same way. Where have you heard that before? It's right out of the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. What I show traders in that course is and prove that all charts act and react the same way. doesn't matter whether we're looking at a commodity, a stock, an index, an exchange-traded fund, an exchange-traded note, A foreign currency, a cryptocurrency, doesn't make any difference. All charts act and react the same way. If you know how to read one, you know how to read them all. The only way that the bulls can begin to stage a recovery or a rescue operation in the IWM is to get back above, in rapid fashion, the 50-period moving average. Today, it comes in at 150.75. It'll be slightly different early next week. But they got to get back above there and start closing hourly and then daily back above the 50 period moving average to make anything happen. If they don't, the pressure is pointed downward towards that 200 period moving average. Now around there is really where they have this area and we had the same thing in the SPY chart we talked about before. You have this area where the market gapped up to and they ate time off the clock before making a move higher. What are they doing now? They're coming back to test a what? Yeah, repeat after me, a former breakout area. Sounds like a broken record, doesn't it? Just so happens that that area seems to coincide with this 200-period moving average. Funny how that works. You start to see how this all comes together. You start to get those aha moments and say, all right, wait a minute. I see the same crap over and over and over again. Doesn't matter the chart. Doesn't matter the name behind the chart. Doesn't matter the three or four letters behind the chart. They're just green and red candles. That's it. What's going on with our favorite equal weight index, the RSP? Interestingly enough, it was up on Friday half a percent. The SPY or the S&P 500 was basically flat and the RSP was up. I don't know exactly what we're going to make out of that, but it's interesting. It certainly wasn't down. We can't take anything bearish away from it. Can we take bullish away from it being up? Well, we're not going to say the whole market's bullish because the RSP was up, but we certainly put it on the bullish side of the ledger. It's a little strange. It's a small puzzle piece. It's on the table. Ah, more of the storyline begins to come together. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Up 100 points today, almost 1%. Interestingly enough, everything else was flat. How does this work? They're riding the 20-period moving average. I'm going to tell you how this works. Either they're going to stay above the 20-period moving average and make new highs, or this is, in fact, a breakdown candle, and this is, in fact, a bearish, flaggish, 
wedgish kind of thing that's going to result in a continuation move to the downside next week, somewhere in the neighborhood of this what? Former breakout area, repeat after me, broken record. Didn't we just talk about the fact that all charts act and react the same way? Yeah, we did. Nod your head up and down, repeat after me. It's like the Motley crew. Nod your head up and down. Ah, the folks out in Silicon Valley. This looks a little bit more like the IWM, looks a little bit weaker. Growth stocks, big tech stocks, momentum stocks. Momentum on the way up, momentum on the way down. No revelation, no surprises. That's just the way it works. Shoving 10 pounds of crap into a two and a half pound satchel. We talked about this many, many times. They're at a former breakout area for one. There's many, there's many on every chart. But when you look at this, you say the market rallied up to this spot, sold off. Well, what's up at the top of this spot? Boom, that's where the low has been. Okay, fair enough. What else you got? What's the next spot? 255. If they're gonna kill it, 255. You should get at minimum of an intraday reaction from 255. How about the financials? They were up today. Can't make a federal case out of it. They were up, that's fine, but they didn't do anything. They're sandwiched in between the 20 and the 50 period moving average, so there's no new information from the chart. So what do we do with that? Nothing. We move it along. Smash mouth, looks like all the rest. Can't make anything out of Friday's activity, but like all the rest, what do we have here? A bearish, wedgish kind of thing. Until and unless this thing gets back up and going on the north side, then guess what? There's a continuation move on the south side. What would be the perfect symmetrical place for the SMH or Smash Mouth to find stability, find a string of buyers? Where would that spot be? Buck and a half. It's a give or take. Could be as high as 153. But in that general zone, that's where there should be a string of buyers that show up for good old Smash Mouth. What is market symmetry? It's taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. We use symmetry as a guideline. It's pretty valuable stuff. And by the way, have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss today, so I will pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost. My strategic forecast Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.